Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We are sipping and savoring all throughout the hour because this is where knowledge and inspiration are served up every weekend. This show is radio's answer to culinary conversation and inspiration, the culture of food and living the best life, because I am all about feeding your soul. And my goal is to satiate your appetite. I cover food and wine, travel trends, health, the environment, wine, mixology, and more. And I am about living the best life. So whether you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something you will love on this show. You can take your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned. And I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. Plus, you'll find my daily dish on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. And today is a big show. I am really excited to share with you in your radio the much lauded and famed chef Michael Solomonov. He is sharing his Israeli soul and you know him from his Philadelphia restaurants, of course, and because he is a hummus hero. He's also my culinary crush, but don't tell him. Uh, coming up uh, in the middle of the hour, another grand guest, my friend Jennifer Bogus will be with us. And we're celebrating 10 years of her doing really good work. Her company, Hey Lala Vanilla, the best vanilla paste you'll ever taste. And before the end of the hour, master herbalist Sarah Hanna Silverstein is here and we're going to talk mood-topia. So please stay tuned. We'll kick off the show though, as I always like to, with a technique or a method, a simple trick that will change the way you cook and make you the best chef in your own kitchen. And because aside from grilling a beautiful piece of salmon on a cedar plank at the height of summer, I have to tell you, you're cooking your fish all wrong. You see, fall is here and winter is coming and you might be standing in front of the fish case at your gourmet supermarket and you see gorgeous shrimp or salmon or halibut and you're tempted to roast it or saute it even. But wait, you have until the end of the year to make 2018 the year that you mastered olive oil poaching. Because until you have tasted the silky, beautiful succulents of olive oil poached fish, you really do not know what you're missing. Now, don't change the dial or shake your head at me because it's not greasy fried fish that I'm talking about. This is a technique that delivers tender, juicy, flavorful results, and it's neither difficult nor messy. So keep listening because you will master olive oil poaching and I think you're going to thank me. Now, olive oil poaching is all about the texture and I use a foolproof three-step three step method rather for the silkiest, most, 
luxurious fish you've ever had. And you can try it out with recipes for shrimp or salmon, halibut, even tuna. Think olive oil poached shrimp with a fresh tomato sauce over pasta. So good. Or how about olive oil poached salmon with smashed potatoes and broccoli for dinner tonight? Yum. How about olive oil poached halibut with a fennel puree? Oh, that feels fall. And then I love to olive oil poach tuna and serve it cold or on a sandwich with a Dijon balsamic vinaigrette. Now, poaching fish, which is gently cooking it in a liquid over low heat by definition, is a classic French technique. And traditionally, the poaching liquid is a light broth, which is known as a court bouillon. And the finished fish comes out delicious and it's light and it's flaky and it's lovely. But That classic technique is the foundation for a very different way of cooking fish, and that is poaching in olive oil. And very simply put, the method involves submerging a piece of fish in a bath of warm olive oil and then cooking it in the oven at a low temperature to the perfect doneness. And when I say that it's foolproof, it really is. The fish emerges with this incredibly tender, silky texture and this pure, clean flavor that is really hard to achieve with any other cooking method. And as I said, three simple steps. So here are the secrets. You remove the fish from the refrigerator, season it with salt and pepper, and you let it sit at room temperature for a half an hour. The trick here is that you don't want to put cold fish into the olive oil to poach or it won't cook evenly and you won't achieve the results that you're looking for. So about 30 minutes for uh, individual uh, fillets of fish, even shrimp, work just fine. Step two, you heat olive oil in a saute pan with sides, preferably, we call that a sauteuse, until it reaches 120 degrees. And you'll use a candy or an instant read thermometer to monitor the temperature. Then you will simply add the fish to the pan with the olive oil, and you will place it in a preheated 275 degree oven for exactly 25 minutes. It's just that easy. Now, here are my best chef's tips. When it comes to choosing fish for olive oil poaching, you want to choose a fish that's rich in flavor and firm in texture. So salmon, halibut, tuna, shrimp all fit the bill. You want to make sure that your fish fillets or steaks are at least three quarters of an inch thick. An inch is even better. When it comes to the oil, you want to use extra virgin olive oil for poaching because it has really rich flavor to penetrate the fish, but you can use a modest brand. You don't have to use that precious precious drizzling oil uh, that you use to finish pasta because you will need quite a bit of it. And then back to the pan, you want a straight-sided saute pan or a saucepan that will hold the fish in a single layer. You can crowd the pan as long as the pieces don't overlap. And it really is time to learn this technique because one of the remarkable things about olive oil poaching is that the timing is virtually foolproof. 25 minutes is the magic number. And really it depends on mostly letting the fish sit at room temperature for that half hour before poaching. Now, the best doneness indicator 
is the appearance of little white droplets of albumin, which is the protein on the outside of the fish. You could always use a paring knife to make a small cut in a piece of the fish to visually check it for doneness. But once you master the technique, you will see that a saute pan filled with olive oil offers opportunities to cook lots of things alongside the fish. And by the way, you can olive oil poach chicken too. Now, a whole head of garlic cut in half and cut side down in the oil makes for crazy, creamy, delicious garlic cloves, roasted garlic per se, that is decadent spread on bread. It adds beautiful fragrance to the oil too. Oftentimes, I'll put carrots alongside the fish. They are tremendous. They turn soft and bright orange. And surely, once you try olive oil poaching, there is no better way to pay tribute to a perfectly fresh piece of seafood. And you learned my three secrets and totally foolproof. Leave the fish out at least 30 minutes from the refrigerator prior to olive oil poaching. Bring the olive oil up to 120 degrees and add the fish. Put it in a 275 degree oven for exactly 25 minutes. So I say, try it out. Let me know what you think, because I know that you will be a culinary hero when you master olive oil poaching. I hope you'll email me and let me know how it turned out. You can email me direct anytime. Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com will get you to me. And of course, there is food news this week. Can you actually guess how many rotisserie chickens Costco sells a year out of their 759 U.S. stores? Well, if you guessed 60 million chickens a year, you were right. One way that Costco keeps its cost down is by getting into the chicken game. And so they, in food news this week, announced that they are building their own production facility in Nebraska that will occupy a massive 414-acre site and cost $275 million to complete. It's slated for September of next year, 2019. The plant will employ 800 people, and it will actually produce only half of the chickens necessary for their in-store sales. Costco is offering 15-year contracts to 100 different prospective chicken growers, and that is some fascinating news that you can use in food this week. Okay, don't touch your dial because he is here. Chef Michael Solomonov is gracing this radio show for the first time right after the break. So don't touch your dial. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio and we'll be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Okay, this is big. Chef Michael Solomonov is the four-time lauded James Beard Award winner, Eater Chef of the Year, and my culinary crush. Don't tell my boyfriend. He's also the chef proprietor behind the Philadelphia restaurants Zahav, Federal Donuts, Abe Fisher, Dizengoff, The Rooster, and Goldie. He is a life-affirming hummus hero. 
And he's sharing his Israeli soul in the much anticipated new release cookbook currently in number one standing on Amazon called Just That Israeli Soul. And he's here to dish. And I am delighted. Uh, Pittsburgh bred Israeli born modern and genuine style, the great dichotomy combined. And the new book with your business partner, Stephen Cook, is breathtakingly gorgeous, a true celebration of cuisine. Michael Solomonov is in your radio. Chef, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Oh, my God, thank you. Thank oh. you for the kind words. Oh, like super flattered. Oh, thank you. I much deserved. Um, I do have a culinary crush on you. My boyfriend knows. Um, so it's okay. That, that makes it okay. Huh? Yeah, I think it does. And um, I'm not sure whether I want to showcase this new masterpiece of a book on my coffee table or sleep with it. Uh, it really is. I, I It's everything I want to cook every day. And I've been a longtime fan. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, we're really proud of of this, this book. Uh, I, that, you know, Zahav is sort of like our baby you know but really i feel like the photography in particular in this book really makes you want to sort of eat the dishes out of the page you know and that uh and, and it was like really traveling to israel that's kind of how we we had like really no format for how we were going to make the book and we just went over to israel and ate a ton and then came back and we we're like all right well this should be in this should be in and Eventually, we got to a, a book. <laughs> I think what it showcases is what I've always heard and been told. So I have Jewish roots, and I've not been to Israel, shamefully. And I have the privilege of working with um, some uh, Israeli business people in the culinary community. And they're always talking about the food culture, Michael, in Israel, how um, the is the young Israelis um, go um, into the military and then they go travel to spread their wings and then they come back and they bring the culinary culture from all these other parts of the world back to Israel. And that's what makes this Mecca, pun intended, of of gastronomic brilliance in Israel. And it has always uh, just fascinated me. Yeah, well, I mean, it is is fascinating. And even insofar as to say that, like, they... So what used to happen was, because Israel is such a small country, everybody would go travel. Israelis travel a ton. Culturally, it's kind of what they do before or after the military. Um, Chefs would go to Europe or go to the States or go to Asia, and they would learn how to cook food from there. And then they would try to open these, like, restaurants in Israel that represented, you know, the countries that they go, that they staged in. Um, and then I, I think about, like, I think 10 years ago or so, I can't, I don't know exactly when, but they started to really look at the things that they had there, the things that they ate, you know. I mean, most people are, you know, second or third generation away from being from somewhere else, right? So you've got, um, you know, like all the Balkans, North Africa, Yemen, uh, Europe. Like, so everybody's kind of from somewhere. Um, And there's also been, you know, there's like tremendously delicious Palestinian cuisine, Druze cuisine, Bedouin cuisine that sort of varies depending on where you are in the country. And they would start to recognize that you have, they don't need to cook French food. Like, what's the point? You know, when you've got Moroccan salads and you've got, um, you know, Polish cholins and you've got, like, goose fat and foie gras and um, 
Brock and carrots and all uh, the good stuff. Pastries from Turkey. Like why? Why go? Why go showcase food uh, from like Asia or Europe when you've got everything kind of right there? And I think that Israelis started to recognize that there is Israeli cuisine that such a thing exists. And and what's the point of um, trying to reproduce something else less genuine? I think that's what's so incredible about Israeli soul is that. I felt the deeply rooted uh, culinary epiphany of Israel in the book. We could spend a whole hour on hummus. I'd like to spend a few days on hummus with you personally, but with limited time, your five-minute hummus seems fitting. When we associate Israeli cuisine and the influences there, I think all of us think hummus. And to watch you make hummus in a video... Um, is is an extraordinary thing to me. This five-minute version, pretty fantastic. Is ice water the best secret you can share? Yeah, I think that ice water ice water works well with tahina. And it's really, I found that the best hummus starts with like a very, very good quality tahina, but also very stable sort of whipped or like uh, prepared tahina. And as far as garbanzo beans are concerned, do you have a favorite, a preference a I method? don't think I do. I mean, my favorite dry ones are Bulgarian ones. Mm. Those are really good. Yes. Um, but I think that, you know, like a, a good canned organic chickpea is like totally fine, totally acceptable. It makes very good hummus. See, I appreciate that you'll go from that store-bought place to that homemade genius. Can you share the mystique of, is it pronounced amba? Amba, yeah. Oh, this pickled mango sauce? It's like a mango pickle. Oh. It's uh, like from mango is fenugreek. Yes. And it, uh, you know, it, it was brought to Israel by the Iraqi Jews uh, in the 50s. And it was, um, you know, similar. There was a huge, obviously, trade between the Indian and and uh, and uh, the, the Iraqi Jews traded a bunch in India. So I think that's probably where they picked it up. And it's like the best sort of condiment. It's kind of like sweet, sour, but like very from the fenugreek. It's kind of like maple syrup, but also very curry mm. if you will. I want to put it on everything. I saw the jar of it. I wanted to lick the page in the book. Right, <laughs> right. It's delicious. It's so good, right? So, so good. Um, I, I learned a couple of things about you in doing some research uh, prior to this conversation. I love that you have a very elevated view of condiments or the definition of said word. Um, Amba yeah. is a condiment, but mayonnaise freaks you out, does it not? Yes. Yes, it does. It does. And um, I had no idea that you fancied origami. Are you folding as we speak? I should be, right? <laughs> right? No, it keeps you calm. I, I know that yeah. getting to know you, uh, getting to know Michael Solomonov brings new insight. Um, you write about schnitzel in Israeli soul as a national dish. I love a good chicken schnitzel. Is your secret the yeah. matzah meal breading? Uh, I think it's a secret to schnitzel, actually. Our secret is to not flour it. We just egg wash it. And then roll it in like crumbs, and it's pretty awesome. Soulful, simple, delicious dishes that you want to eat right now are found in this new and extraordinary cookbook release from Michael Solomonov and Stephen Cook entitled Israeli Soul. It is a rich narrative, this gorgeous oversized format that evokes the spirit of Israel and the immense culinary landscape. It is my number one cookbook pick for 2018. You must have this book. Learn more at zahavrestaurant.com. Find the book available now worldwide on Amazon. And again, I can't thank you for 
uh, taking the time and sharing your passion enough. Thank you, Chef. Thank you. Talk so to you to soon, you. Michael. Thank you. A pleasure to talk with you. As the delicious conversation continues, definitely feeding your soul in your radio. Chef Jamie Gwen will be right back. Your soul every weekend. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is a wonderful story. In 2002, a vanilla plantation was established by a New Zealand family in partnership with a local family in the kingdom of Tonga. In 2005, the first crop was harvested and brought back to New Zealand. And in 2008, the Bogus family dream became a reality when they released their first vanilla products. Loved by chefs and food lovers around the world, and I am a great fan, Heilala Vanilla has had a significant impact on the local community in Tonga, along with a tremendous sense of purpose. And they are celebrating their 10th year with more acreage and a newfound dream to employ more women in the vanilla industry in Tonga. And I am very proud to support Hey Lala Vanilla, and Jennifer Bogus's goals and hopes. She's doing good work through food, and she's back to dish. It's been too long because I've been using Hey Lala loyally all the way straight through, Jennifer, but congratulations, 10 dedicated years. That's amazing. Thank you, Jamie. Yes. Great to be talking again. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad to have you. Uh, go back in time, if you would, for a moment, and tell us what harvesting the first crop was like. So the first crop was harvested in 2005, and at that stage I was an accountant, and my husband was in IT. And my father handed me the 45 kilos, which I think is about, I don't know, 25 pounds or something. And uh, he said to me, now what are we going to do with this? Because mm. we need to sell it to ensure that this family that we've built this vanilla plantation for to provide them employment um, continues and is sustainable. Amazing. So I brought the vanilla beans back to New Zealand and showed them to some chefs, and that was really kind of the start of it. Um, so it was three years later that we left our day jobs and actually officially started Hey Lala Vanilla. Yes, and the dream continues. What is harvest like today, 10 years later? I know it takes three years before you get the crop you need, right? Exactly, yeah. So um, fast forward to today, we have planted in the last six months uh, over 100 acres of vanilla in the Vau, the northern islands of Tonga. Um, which will substantially increase our production. Mm. And also it will provide employment, more importantly, for yes. up to 200 women in um, Vivao by 2021 when the first crop comes on, on stream. So it is quite a different um, business to what it was 10 years ago. We never really dreamed that it, we would be where we are, but um, it's been quite a surreal journey. <laughs> yes, no doubt. And to watch your growth... And to watch you be truly, I, I would say, adored by the culinary community has been wonderful. And it has been very organic growth. We read about companies and entrepreneurial spirit and those doing good work 
like you and your family are um, often, uh, but you don't see organic growth the same way Hey Lala has had it. And I'm not taking any credit by any means, but I will say I have seen so many people, including myself, pay it forward by sharing the beauty of Hey Lala Vanilla. I mean, chef friends of mine that I've said, oh, wait, you have to buy this vanilla paste. It's the best I've ever tasted. And it's made you stand out. And you've continued to grow Hey Lala products. I'm addicted to vanilla paste from Hey Lala. You know that. I use it in everything. Uh, you know that only by my um, my sales figures, right? Because you see... <laughs> <laughs> you see when I'm making exactly. yes cookies and cakes and creme brulee and panna cotta and now it's fall here um and so I'm making vanilla roasted pork chops with halala vanilla paste and brown sugar oh, caramelized wow. apples oh and you know what I did recently Jennifer I deglazed some chicken apple sausages with van- uh, the halala vanilla syrup oh Oh, those were a now hit. You're making my mouth water. Well, that's good. That's my job to make you hungry or to make everyone hungry. Um, but talk about your range of award-winning products, please. Um, so our most awarded product is our vanilla paste. Yes. Um, which you're all familiar with via Jamie. Um, so one teaspoon is one vanilla bean. It's got the flavor of uh, it's from vanilla extract, and then it's also got the seeds added into it. So you get that beautiful visual. So when you're doing things like shortbread cookies or pumpkin pie, you know, you see the little flecks or ice cream or whipped cream or whatever. So that is our sort of leading product. Then we have our vanilla extract, and that is no sugar. Uh, We do cold extraction over three months. Um, Then we've got vanilla syrup, vanilla powder, uh, obviously the vanilla beans. And then our newest product is breakfast vanilla, which is a vanilla vanilla and no alcohol. So it's great for, for breakfast time because we learned from consumers that they were afraid to use like vanilla extract in their oatmeal or in their coffee because they didn't want to have alcohol in the morning, even though it's only, you know, a tiny amount. How interesting. So, um, we've, launched, we've launched a breakfast vanilla, which is on Amazon at the moment. So, so that's, that's wh- what is the neutral base then, Jennifer? Um, it, it is a um, plant-based glycerin. Ah, okay. That we, yeah. So um, that we extract the vanilla via that glycerin product. How fascinating. I so get it's asked. Quite, it's quite a um, syrupy texture. Yes, I would think so. I get asked very often what the base of vanilla paste is. And I always call it a neutral because it, it, it just essentially houses all of the beautiful specks of vanilla and packs a whole punch of flavor. And that's why I love your paste over extract uh you know at for anything i should say and everything because i really think the vanilla paste is so round and so beautifully intense that you can't beat it yeah so it's basically using vanilla extract but you've got the added benefit of the vanilla seed yes and it just has an aroma and a presence to it what is the base of vanilla paste because we've seen it um, from competitors of Hey Lala, of course. I just find yours the purest vanilla flavor I've tasted. So our base is our vanilla extract, which has no sugar in, and then right. we add the vanilla seed. Mm. And then we only put in about 4% sugar, whereas other vanilla paste, sugar is the first ingredient. So it is quite a different texture to other vanilla paste. Yes, it really is. Go back to the new acreage, the expansion. Tell us about your next stage of growth. 
doing good work? So um, we've always had a dream to really build and elevate the Tongan vanilla industry and uh, we were, were very um, kindly given the lease on 100 acres by His Majesty in Tonga uh, in recognition really of the work that we're doing in Tonga and the employment in, that we're providing, particularly for women. And um, so we started planting last July uh, and we've just finished planting um, two lots of 50 acres. Wow. So um, that will really provide a boost in our supply chain to, to, also, to ensure that we've got uh, ongoing supply for our growing market, which uh, the U.S. is one of our largest markets now. And you've made a commitment, Jennifer, to employ more women in Tonga, and kudos to you. Um, I'd love to know, what is life like there? It's very much, um, you know, a very, it's not third world. I wouldn't want to say that, but it is a very um, basic existence with not much industry for employment. So what we have done is vanilla is a great, um, product uh, crop for women because it's not physical at all um, and it requires a great attention to detail and the other thing about it is it's very community building because it's a group of women gathering mm. uh, as they hand pollinate the flowers as they're doing the looping and the pruning and then at harvest time obviously picking the beans and then curing them and grading them um, so it, you know, it creates a real sense of community amongst women Yes. And then not only does it benefit those women, it obviously impacts their families. So, you know, our goal is to employ 200 women, which will impact 200 families. Just brilliant. And I'm so enamored with the product. As you know that, I will be a lifelong vanilla paste Hey Lala fan. So don't change anything, please. <laughs> Leave no, it just the way it is. <laughs> um, and, uh, and thank you again for sharing your passion um, and for empowering women uh, and for continuing um, all the good work. Thank you, Jamie. Yes, it's always a pleasure. By supporting Hey Lala Vanilla, you are supporting the Tongan communities where their vanilla is grown. And you really are using the best tasting vanilla products that I've ever tasted celebrating their 10-year anniversary uh, with growth and absolutely beautiful vanilla essence. You can learn more at Heilala Vanilla. It's H-E-I-L-A-L-A vanilla.com. And you can find the product available on Amazon worldwide. If you go to my Instagram or Facebook page, I have a special code for a discount, compliments of Jennifer Bogus and the Bogus family of Hey Lala, so that you can try it and love it and get addicted just like me. Um, Jennifer, come back before your next 10 year or when you get to, <laughs> before you get to 20, will you please? Definitely. Okay, and I look forward to seeing you soon and tasting those delicious shortbread cookies you yes. were telling me about. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you as well. Thank you for continuing to share the beautiful Hey Lala story. We'll take a quick break. Don't go away. Chef Jamie Gwen, be right back. Feeding your soul every weekend. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. 
Do you want to tame your moods, de-stress, find some balance? I do. Well, Sarah Hanna Silverstein, a master herbalist and classic homeopath, says that you can do it naturally. According to a 2017 study by the National Center for Health Statistics, a whopping 30 million Americans take an antidepressant medication, and usage by women is twice that of men. Amazing. Moodtopia is the new book release from Sarah Hanna and a top title on Amazon. It's her goal to help you be in control of your moods so that they're not in control of you. And she's here to share her best herbal remedies to achieve optimal emotional and mental wellness. And I am so glad she's back. Welcome. Hi, Sarah Hanna. Hi, Janie. It's such an <laughs> honor. I love being on your show. Yeah, and I love having you here. Congratulations. The book is truly inspiring. You know, I opened to read the first page and I was immediately drawn in. There is a, a very inspiring story of your daughter, but really a testament to the strength all of us have inside to rise above. And we should start off, first off, by, uh, I think, defining what is Moodtopia, please. So for me, in my book, Moodtopia is learning to be in control of your moods so your moods don't control you. So after working with thousands of women over the past 26 years, when women come in and complain about what they're frustrated about, what they're sad about, what they're gloomy about, it's always legitimate and correct. Everything they're feeling is correct, but it's how they respond to these stressors is what I want women to have more of a handle on. Because if you're very frustrated at work, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to achieve what you need to in life. So my book talks about getting the skills and the tools to be in control of your moods so you don't become hijacked by these moods or emotions. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, I know personally, um, and I'm proud and happy to share because it's very honest that my moods definitely affect my productivity, uh, my ability to see things clearly or in a positive light. That's all emotional, I know, but it affects cortisol levels, correct? So this is how it is, and especially in our modern world where we're so busy with our social media and there's so much traffic and we're always rushing. Mm. So I'm going to make up a number. Let's say your cortisol levels, your freak-out point, that point where you really feel that lack of control emotionally is at a 300. So your goal is to lower those cortisol levels so that you're not hovering at 250 because it's so easy to get to that 300 mark where you just feel overwhelmed emotionally. So that means that not when you're in a bad mood, not when you're in a frustrated mood, when you're in a good place, it's the time to do preventative medicine, hence why alternative and preventative medicine is so popular. I want my clients to prevent knowing that those huge and real emotions are going to impact them, but I want them in a calmer state so that they're more clearly, they can clearly identify the emotions Mm -hmm. and they don't have to overtake them. Okay. And we do know that there is Uh, sometimes a need for traditional medicine and we respect those that regulate their lives with it. There are also tremendous side effects. And so your approach has always been alternative medicine. There are herbs, there are essential oils. Give us a couple of specifics, please. What you recommend for Moodtopia. So I want to reiterate and agree with you. There 
psychotropic meds are very important and save a lot of people's lives. Yes. But the studies show that it's one out of five people that are on these psychotropic drugs. And they're usually prescribed by your GP, your general practitioner. And what was normal complaints in the past are now being medicated. Normal complaints being, I get frustrated easily, I have insomnia, I'm feeling gloomy. So there are a lot of herbs that have been used for thousands of years to help women and men get through the struggles that they have emotionally. For instance, an herb called skullcap, one of my favorites. It's from the mint family. It's generally safe for most of us. And it is an herb that can reduce your cortisol levels and help with that nervous anxiety before traveling, before public speaking, if you have to go to your kid's PTA. Even going grocery shopping can be really stressful for a lot of people. You can take the herb Skullcap two to three times a day. It's non-addictive, and there are no side effects, no withdrawal symptoms when you decide you don't want to take it for a little while. That's the herb Skullcap. In love with it. The book is so well-written. Sarah Hanna, congratulations to you. And being so well-received, endorsed by the likes of Deepak Chopra, Christy Brinkley, who, by the way, says that Sarah Hanna's tips help you get back to your best self with nature's best medicine. And I agree. If there are natural, wonderful, homeopathic ways to tame your mood and de-stress and find balance, why wouldn't you? Learn from the master herbalist, the classic homeopath, a well much respected and regarded keynote speaker and the mother of seven. She is Sarah Hanna Silverstein, and the book is called Moodtopia. It is available worldwide on Amazon, and you can go to her website at sarahhanna, S-A-R-A-C-H-A-N-A.com to learn more. Sarah, you have a welcome invitation here because every time you come, I feel better when we get off the phone. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. And I'm such a fan of your show. I just love listening to it as I'm driving around. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary conversation for the hour. I love quiche. I think real men love quiche too. <laughs> I think there's a t-shirt for it. But, you know, a busy morning does not always allow for a beautiful quiche to be prepared. So I make a one-minute microwave quiche in a mug and I'm delighted to share it. You take a little bit of unsalted butter and you put it in a microwavable mug and you melt it, you know, 10 to 20 seconds. And then you add a beaten egg, some milk, salt and pepper, some cherry tomatoes cut in half, a few cubed or torn pieces of bread, that's the crust, some shredded cheese, and a few chopped herbs. And you microwave the quiche for one minute until the egg is completely cooked and the quiche slightly puffs. And I have to tell you, it is the most delicious, decadent, indulgent, make your morning kind of breakfast. And I'm very happy to share it. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you'll find my one minute microwave quiche in a mug at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'll meet you here next weekend to share more fabulous food in your radio. Once again, I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well. Well.